Hi, my name is Ben Atkinson, and welcome to Season 2 of the Functional Health Podcast. I'm trained in both biomedical science and nutrition, and I firmly believe that a holistic and functional approach to health is fundamental to our well-being. I interview some of the leading voices in nutrition and lifestyle medicine, from practitioners to professors and everyone in between. With this podcast, I will share with you their stories, their expertise, and their advice, shedding light on the industry from each of their perspectives, and providing you with simple tips and tricks to help improve your health from today. This week, I'm delighted to be speaking with the fitness explorer, Daryl Edwards. Daryl is an internationally renowned speaker, coach, nutritionist, and author. He has pioneered and popularized functional movements, making exercise fun and engaging. I first met Daryl at a conference with Dr. Kelly Brogan in London, and we recently met up at a wellness event and arranged this recording. So, without further ado, Daryl, welcome to the show, man. Thanks very much, Ben. That was a great introduction. Thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome. So you've been in this health space for, for a while now, but originally, from memory, you started off in IT and banking. When did your thinking shift to pursue a career in this health and fitness industry? Yes, you, you, you're correct. I, I was a technologist working within investment banking, and I had a very lucrative career working in the, in the city and around the world. And health wasn't really something that I was focusing on. Um, you know, I just assumed... You know, you kind of assume everyone is healthy, uh, you know, uh, unless something bad goes wrong or, or you reach a certain age. Uh, and unfortunately, I, after having an annual health check, realized that something wasn't quite right. So I was told I was pre-diabetic. I was suffering with, with hypertension, high blood pressure for some for some time. And also I had in elevated risk of heart disease. So my, you know, cholesterol profile and my lipid profile was... Mm-hmm wasn't healthy and so I had this kind of catalog of issues and the recommendation was to take prescription medication to resolve them so beta blockers for my blood pressure you know uh, um, metformin for my my blood glucose because I was pre-diabetic to manage yes. to manage that um, I was told to take statins to, to, to deal with the cholesterol issues all and very commonly prescribed drugs in this day and age Prescribed, and to be fair, I I would have I would have signed up to that prescription mm-hmm. if I wasn't concerned about the side effects. So I was just like, that sounds, you know, tell me about the side effects, doc. And the mm-hmm. doctor was like, told me what the side effects were, um, and but said not to, don't worry because if there are any side effects, we can always prescribe something else. So I literally was a bit of a cowardice when it came to taking taking pills and so I said is there another is there an alternative and there wasn't one presented to me mm-hmm. but I, I I did remember at the time reading have, knowing about physical activity and exercise uh, being one great way to manage high blood pressure being physically active yes and I knew I was sedentary in my job so I was like let me try and let's see if I can sort out my blood pressure um, you know, is it is it just genetics? You know, is is it that's is that what it is? I'm getting older, and is, there's just nothing I can do, or maybe I can do something about this. So that's what happened. I started exercising, and my blood pressure uh, 
came down to to normal normal levels without any other change so so that that was a kind of gateway to recognizing that my lifestyle behaviors could affect health markers that my doctor was telling me needed prescription meds yes and um and so that started the the kind of exploration of thinking well what else can i do to improve my health um you know will my activity help in other areas of concern um and once i do this do i need to start looking at maybe, maybe my diet too to support what i'm doing in terms of physical activity so so you know for, for some people diet and nutrition tends to be their way of improving you know one way of improving their health for me it was physical activity and and movement and and i i saw nutrition supporting that role and then started looking at other areas of how i can improve my my, my lifestyle to support my health choices and so many years later when i decided i, I kind of fell out of love with investment banking and technology could i follow my passions in in terms of getting other people on board with this message yes and teaching other people how each others how to improve their health in a, in a simple but very profound way so that that's how the journey journey began my own personal transformation realizing how powerful and potent this medicine is this lifestyle medicine is and um and i couldn't i, I just didn't feel satisfied uh, in in continuing my previous career and i thought let me see if i can probably take a, a pretty radical decision not <laughs> uh, to to quit that career yes. making lots of money in the city <laughs> to to uh, follow my passion and not make not make much money uh, <laughs> as much but but yeah it, it was like you know at, at any stage in your life when you realize what makes your heart sing what brings you joy is uh is probably more important than just whatever your paycheck is at the end of the month made me recognize that this is what i wanted to pursue and and out of the lifestyle kind of pillars of of, of health i recognized that movement was what i was the most passionate about and um that we're in within the 21st century we're living in a very sedentary state yes uh, absolutely and, and we need we, we need to do something about this. Um, we need to be educated about the, the drawbacks of a sedentary lifestyle and, um, and offer solutions to, to evoke some change. Yes, and I, I think that is happening slowly but surely. People like yourself are realizing like the nutritional and lifestyle that they were leading. It might, may have caused disease, but you can also leverage nutrition and lifestyle to reverse these sort of disease and ailments and conditions like you have done. And I think that's really empowering for people. Yes, for sure. And, and you know, I, I think it's, it's always important to recognize that uh, it's never too late. So, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not foolhardy to say that lifestyle can be the solution to all ills. No. You know, that, that there isn't a place for conventional medicine, that there isn't a place for, you know, acute treatment um, for prescription meds. That that's not what I'm suggesting, and and I think we you know we need to be careful that we want to be getting the best of both worlds. We want we want to get the best of modern science, the best of of conventional uh, medicine, and in conjunction with the best of what our ancestors 
ancestors have done for for generations, leading us to to, to good health. So, uh, you know, we were designed to be physically active, to eat a particular food which was healthful, uh, you know, to to have a, a particular sleeping pattern which would ensure that we had adequate rest, that we you know weren't in permanently in kind of chronically stressful conditions, for yes. example. So so. That heritage, that ancestral heritage, is really important for us to navigate the 21st century. And so, so yeah, so you know, it, it, it almost sounds, it, it, it almost becomes uh, almost cliched, you know, this journey from I was really, really sick. Hey, presto, I did a couple of star jumps <laughs> in the gym, and uh, and everything was magical. But but no, I, I think this medicine. Uh, um, uh, this medicine that I believe is important is something that we have to continually work at and continue to pursue. You know, there wasn't a, a kind of a road to Damascus conversion where it was like, okay, I was sedentary one day, I started being physically active the next, I improved my diet and everything was great, was rosy. Uh, you know, yes. it's something that has to become part of your you know, lifestyle is the, is the important point, right? Yeah, so I completely agree constantly doing this you know well it's just uh, as you would if you were prescribed a medication you would constantly take it people are on statins for life for example to reduce their mm. their cholesterol but li like you have done you've used exercise and lifestyle as a medicine and that needs to be practiced and taken daily in some cases in order to yes. control those ailments i think you're exactly right yes for sure and and i think for some people there can be a complete reversal of, of whatever their whatever their kind of chronic lifestyle condition was, um, it may it may be a case of managing, uh, you know, managing the disease, um, 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 or or just being in a much better place yes. than if you weren't thinking about your lifestyle. So I think again, it, it's important to put this into the into the context of, you know, disease is 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 a part of you know nature. Uh, disease is a part of nature. You know, um, there, there is no no one is signed off at birth to say you will be 100 percent healthy and not encounter any any issues throughout your entire life. You know, that's I don't believe that's the blueprint for, for human beings and that we don't see that anywhere in nature. You know, mm -hmm. um, um, all the organisms are trying to to thrive, including those which are, you know, pathogens for us. Right. So so, uh, you know, what we can do is reduce the risk of the issues that we're constantly being bombarded with. And when you then add the additional burden of 21st century, which means convenience is becomes more important than it has in the past, it means it's easier to have highly processed fast food whenever we want. Yes. Um, it's easier to say, you know what, I'm not gonna take the stairs I'm actually not going to leave my home. I'm just going to sit here and not move because I don't really need to. I can satisfy my kind of primal urges of food and yes, you, know, you can shelter. order food from the shops. <laughs> you can order yeah. a takeaway which is already cooked for you. Yeah, you don't yes. need to leave the house if you don't want to. Ex exactly. So, mm -hmm. so that's you know that's a sort of issue. Like you know, it's, it isn't about willpower. It isn't about us being lazy and can't, you know, not being bothered to, to be focusing on our health. Our environment has changed to the point where we just don't have to, we're not forced to make decisions which were about survival. So, you know, if I if I went back 
a few thousand years and decided not to leave home, there wouldn't be any food for me, right? You know, I would have to go out and hunt or gather food or farm food. You know, that was that that would you know have to be part of my day in order to ensure I could feed my family. Now you can click a button and you can have access to this food. You know, um, I don't have to, to, to have locomotion as part of my day involving my legs. I can use public transport or, or just stay in my armchair if I, if I choose. So, of course, I love the 21st century and I wouldn't want to live in another era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I love technology. I love, you know, I love the best of, of what the 21st century has to offer. But I recognize it, it also, you know, gives us a false sense of security it lulls us into uh, uh, thinking that convenience and technology is is our savior, and and sometimes it can actually be detrimental to our health. So, so going back to basics is really important, and and recognizing that as human beings, that we we as I said we were designed to move. We you know we're designed to eat in a particular way, uh, you know, and and. We were designed to be, we need to think about the animals that we are. Uh, um, and that will help us become, to become, make healthier choices. And just adding to that, like p- people know that exercise is beneficial. They know that they should do it, but they often view it as a chore and they often don't have the motivation to do it. But with your style of movement and the development of primal play, you've managed to, to, to make it fun. Did this happen kind of naturally or did you set out to make movement more enjoyable? No, I, my first, my first kind of, uh, when I began thinking about physical activity and exercise, I joined the most elitist gym that I could. Yes. Where I was, where I was working for one. Um, um, secondly, I chose the most kind of brutal of workouts, mm-hmm. the most punishing of workouts. So you can imagine my work environment back then was very cutthroat. You know, it, it, it was a meritocracy. It was all about performance. It was how much money you're making or saving the bank. That's yes. that's what it was about. Uh, and so you you fought tooth, nail, and claw to sometimes just keep your job at times, right? That you know it was that type of environment. And so I took that work ethic into the gym. Right. Uh, you know the, the people I was working out with. You know being you know being the leader or, or winning at a particular workout. So I took that into the gym and there was remarkable gains in a short space of time. Yes. You know, I, I got fitter and faster and stronger. You know, I, 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 I changed physically. Um, I became more physically capable, more functional as a human. So there was lots of, lots of quick wins, lots of ticks. Like, oh my goodness, look what I can, look what I can do now. This is incredible. I've never had this ability uh, in, in my life, you know, so, so isn't this, isn't this incredible? But what I found after a while was that if I wasn't winning, if I wasn't able to compete, um, if I wasn't able to train because I was injured, Mm -hmm. if I couldn't find the time to do what I wanted to do then, or if I was training with people who I felt weren't at my level of ability, it, it was, it was frustrating, and so there was a lots of a, there was quite a bit of negativity surrounding that activity, lots of additional stress, which I probably wasn't um, getting the best out of those workouts in some to some degree, 
Uh, and then when I was pushing myself so hard that I, I, I became injured, then I had a, an enforced period of being sedentary again because I couldn't, you know, I was in pain. Yes. So that was when I had a, a bit of a light bulb moment of, you know, why do I sometimes hate going to the gym? Like it's, it's becoming a chore. It's becoming labored. I'm seeing it now as something that I'm only doing because I know it's good for my health or because if I don't go, I'm not going to be record as good numbers on the, on the whiteboard as I, as I could previously, yes. you know, if I don't keep going, you know, if I don't keep working hard. And um, so I started to, I started to kind of hate, hate the process and I would only enjoy the end result, the goal mm-hmm. um, or bragging about it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, no, hey, I think that I resonates did. with a lot of people though. It's like they, they often hate what they're doing, but just are doing it for that end result. Yes, yeah, ex- exactly. And, and, and I mean, there's nothing, I mean, they, if, if that motivates you, if that's what you need to do to be successful, you know, to, to continually work out, then there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, it, it became something that I started to despise. Mm-hmm. And I started to be like watching the clock watching, you know, when's this workout going to end? know and and um and so yeah i started to become it was so goal oriented that i wasn't enjoying enjoying the process at all and and i just asked myself when was the last time dal that you really enjoyed movement and physical activity you know when when you know when did you start falling out of love with movement and that was basically when i started to train you know so when when pe at school became more about drills and you know drop and do 10 and and that kind of discipline that's when i recall thinking oh playing basketball for example isn't as much fun as it used to be you know and and i want to make the team but i'm not good enough mm-hmm. and you know and playing football isn't as good as when i'm with my friends and we we use our jumpers as goalposts and you know like <laughs> we we can pretend to play like Brazil or whatever it doesn't really matter how good or or not we are but we're just having so much fun that games can last for hours hours and hours right so that was my eureka moment that's when I recognized that if I could just recapture some of that feeling then I would be I'd fall back in love with movement again and I could forget about what I believe is important from physical activity now so that's basically what happened. I realized I didn't have to be in a gym environment using gym equipment to achieve what I wanted physically. You know, I could still I could still achieve a lot from fitness, but use play as a way of getting there rather than work. So, you know, just think about the concept of working out, for example. You know, that the, the problem is in the word itself. You know, you 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 know, we work because we have to, we have no choice. That tends to be the reason why we work, right? right. If you gave people the, the option, most people wouldn't work, right? If you said, if you could say to somebody, you can make just as much money, you staying at home all day, every day, most people will take that and do whatever they would choose to do with their leisure time. So work means doing something you, you have no option but to do because you want to survive, you want to live. Um, and when we do decide to be physically active, we choose to work out. So, so it's not often we're going to be looking forward to that, 
you know it's like it makes it makes sense you know the words we use are, are all important and we're using words that are already kind of making us feel uncomfortable about what we're going to have to do and then whenever we think about what we're doing it's about this punishment you know and let's punish myself for the cream cake i ate last night let yes. me endure something arduous because i want to raise some money for charity you know that's what it's about right i want to run a 5k because i want to i want to show people i can run 5k and you can't or i want to do a marathon because you know i want to show that i can do something which involves a lot of stamina endurance and you know and suffering and pain mm -hmm. in order to achieve this you know that's what it that's what it becomes and if you ask a child that you know if you said to a child hey you know what what we're going to do today is just go and run for we're just going to run for six miles why because it's going to be lots of fun running in a straight line you know <laughs> just seeing how fast you can run um, no that's not that's not fun at all you know <laughs> it'd be like what what can we do on the route maybe fun for them yes. right you know do you know what i mean like you know not running in a straight line like interacting with the objects and the environment as we do as we go would probably be fun to a kid but for us as adults we just go no running in a straight line as fast as we can and you know literally collapsing in a heap at the end of it is 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 what we can say is, is something that we enjoy and actually it's it's more that we endure than enjoy yes. Yeah. Um, and, and when I think about this and all of the people who tell me, you know, you have discussions with people and they say, well, actually, Daryl, no, you, you're mistaken. I really love exercise, you know, and all my friends, we love exercise and we, you know, I've, I've always loved the exercise. And I'm like, you're probably the kind of person who loves going to the dentist and having, you know, <laughs> scale and polish. There are some people who, who look forward to their dentist appointment with no, no concern. But there's a lot of people who are like, I'm only doing this because I know it's good for my oral hygiene. But I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know I have to go through this. But for some people, it's it's terrifying. Uh, and um, and no wonder people find it difficult to maintain a lifelong habit of exercise. You know, yeah. um, people make money on the fact that we don't have a lifelong uh love affair of exercise for example gyms you know gyms their business model is based on get as many people to sign up in january as we can we know it's going to be uncomfortable for a few days because there's going to be too many people coming to the gym and we don't have enough space or equipment but give it a few weeks all those new members will be disappear will disappear <laughs> and, yeah and you, you won't see we hardly see them for the rest of the year but we're still going to get their subscription every month and and that's what they that's what they thrive on that's what their business model is about get as many members as you can but don't worry they're not going to all attend um, and there's going to be a significant drop off and hopefully they'll come again next year and sign up for another 12 months and that's why they use a subscription model because if people paid you know did pay as you go um People only pay for a handful of times and then go, you know what, this isn't really me. Maybe just for the and first so, month so, of January in most cases. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. First month of Jan. And even then it's not, it's not, you know, when you look at the stats, I mean, I I'm a bit of a geek and I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, you know, um, the kind of fulfillment and the participation, participation rates, and uh the drop-off is significant. Like basically from the first week of Jan, New, New Year's resolutions. You know, there's a significant drop off in the first week, 
even then, right? Are people signing up? Um, and then the next few weeks, that it drops off again. By the time we hit Janu end of January into February, it's something like a fifty percent of, of new members won't attend again for the rest of the rest of the year. Yeah, and amazing. then as you go through the ones who do survive January, uh, you know, it's a very very small percentage. So those who are self-disciplined, who are highly motivated, they'll be there, you know, day after day, week after week, um, making the most of their memberships. And in effect, people who don't attend subsidize the, 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 the membership of those who are going regularly. Um, so, you know, my kind of thoughts on this now uh, is that we, we have the wrong approach to exercise. Yes, um, and just to yeah. um, add to what you were saying, something you said there really resonated with me is that you, we consider it as working out and not playing. And as kids, we'd go outside to play, mm. whether that be football or whatever. And as you said, we'd kick a ball around for three hours at a time, which probably end up running five miles or plus. And now as adults, we don't yes. play normally, right? Yes, we it, yes we, we find it difficult to play. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Um, you know, we, we see it as something which is childish and something that we've grown out of. And we don't appreciate the benefits of play for, for adults and even for our kids. You know, many adults are not letting their kids play as I experienced as a kid. So not many kids are free roaming, are, you know, given, you know, free reign to kind of go out and play in their local neighborhoods. It's, it, it's, it happens rarely now for many reasons. So... It, um, play has become almost like a dirty word, but the research tells us, the research suggests that the more playful you are, the more creative you are, the the better you are at social interaction and cooperation, you know, for, for especially for children, for children who are play deprived, for example, they have so many issues in relation to personal development, in relation to kind of emotional intelligence, you know, physical literacy, it, it's the, the whole kind of 360 for, for, uh, for a young human being affected by having by being play deprived you know they can't risk assess they have difficulty adjusting to to difficult situations so there are so many lessons that are learned but through play that are that are significant and we see this in other mammals too um, um and we don't see you know adult mammals don't all of a sudden go i'm too old for this doesn't doesn't happen big cats will still play right yeah <laughs> um other animals will still play as, as adults and their play isn't of, of a different form like it is for humans, you know, where we go, oh, no, 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 we can't play tag anymore because we played that when we were kids, you know, we've got to play squash or sp organized sport or, you know, play poker, you know, that, that's, that's what play becomes, something a bit more cerebral, uh, but not necessarily as fun, which is probably the missing, the missing piece. Um, it's maintaining that sense of fun. So primal play is trying to combine primal, natural, instinctive movement, which we need. We need to move in a particular way. We need to make sure that we're utilizing different energy systems, that we're moving at different intensities, different planes of motion, you know, different components of fitness. So we want to be strong with stamina. We want to be fast and agile with coordination and balance and grace. We want all of these these components of fitness but i believe if you add fun into the mix you're more likely to want to continue to do it 
you're more likely to see the world differently. So again, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about the philosophy and thinking about instead of being viewing play as childish, think of play as being childlike, think of play as being youthful and full of vitality. And then that way you appreciate what a child gets from play, you know, how they can look at an object and go, there are a million and one things I can do with this. Whereas an adult will go, there's one thing I can do with this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so an adult will say, I have to go to the gym. You know, I have to use a treadmill to run, even if that treadmill is overlooking the beach. You know, I've, I've been to gyms where literally they run a treadmill looking the beach where the weather is, weather is beautiful, blue skies, beautiful, you know, incredible environment. And they're so fixated with, I need to be in a gym to exercise. They would rather run on a treadmill looking at people on the beach than actually running on the beach. You know, yeah. it's, it's, I don't, I don't understand. Um, and no kid, again, if you, if you took a kid into a gym with treadmills, they wouldn't be running on a treadmill for long. If you tell them, hey, this is what this is this machine is for, <laughs> right? Yeah. For you to run, they'd just go like, why would you I don't what do you mean you need a machine? Why do you need a machine to run? We can just run around in the gym, you know, without using those machines. And they would think of creative ways. And there's other things you can do on this machine that's probably more fun. Yeah. So I could geek out on that forever. I know. But that's I... where that's where I'm at now. You know, <laughs> I, I've, I've I've seen you at events crawling around like a bear, walking like a duck, and other animals and creatures. And now, for people that say they don't like exercise, or maybe those individuals mm. who start at a gym and then quit, as we were just discussing a month after, do you find that these people are perhaps more receptive to performing these kind of animal movements? Um, I think so. I mean, I, you know, again. There's, there's always more, there's always more than one approach, right? Yes. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to get people to think a little bit differently about exercise mm -hmm. and to focus more on movement and to focus more on, on opportunities to move. So I'm not saying that, um, you know, animal moves is a solution to all our woes. Uh, but if you do move more like the animals we are and the animals we observe, then you are going to be covering lots of movement bases. So, you know, as humans, what we forget as humans, if we if we disassociate ourselves from the rest of the animal kingdom, which we we like to do sometimes, um, we don't recognize what we have in common with them. And we also don't recognize what makes us human in the sense that we only we tend to focus on our intelligence. That's what makes humans the top of the, you know top of the the animal kingdom or you know i mean or the kings of the jungle or whatever it's the fact that we can uh, because of our brain uh, and that's what's important that's what distinct you know distinguishes us from the rest of the animal kingdom yes. but one of the things that i think is even more important than that is is the role of movement again so for for us as humans we're opportunists which means we do our best to work within the environment we're in and if it's not suitable we 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 adapt we try to adapt to that that's what we do or we seek out other places where we can uh, you know work within that environment that's what we do so our movement capability is very general and broad so we're not the fastest of animals for example you know we can't run as far anywhere near as fast as a cheetah 
you know, wild sheep can run faster than Usain Bolt, right? You know, right. camels yes. can, can out-sprint Bolt, right? You know, we can't <laughs> jump very far. We can't, we're not very strong in comparison to, say, you know, an ant. You know, an ant can lift, you know, up to 100 times, up to 1,000 times, I think, in some categories of, of ants, their body weight. You know, we celebrate... You know, if I can piggyback somebody, I'm kind of like, wow, look, you know, I'm really strong, really strong individual, right? You know, the strongest yeah. man, if, if they're lifting, like, you know. I think I've seen you with three people on your back before. To, to be <laughs> <honest>. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. But still, but again, you know, three times, you know, let's say it's two and a half, three times my body weight. It's still, you know, an ant would look at me and go, <laughs> you know, what, what's that? Right? <laughs> yeah. You, you're, you're a weakling, right? <laughs> uh, um, so, 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 you know, that that's. Again, if you start thinking about the the animal kingdom as a child would, you know, and go, oh, cheetahs really fast, and you know, dolphins are great at swimming, and monkeys can climb, and and you know, kangaroos can jump very far, blah, etc., etc., etc. You know, what makes humans humans is the fact that we are pretty much at the, you know, we're rubbish in comparison to those specialists. Mm-hmm. But what makes us great is the fact that we are generally so we can do all of those things. You know, we can run and climb and carry and crawl and sprint and swim, you know, and, and perform all these different movement capabilities, which means that we're more adept across, you know, a vast more terrain. You know, we, there, we have more functional capability, even though we can't compete one-on-one with most of the, you know, most animals who are specialists. So this is what the animal moves approach was about. This is what the animal moves book was about is actually saying, yes, if you try to move like a bear, if you try to jump like a flea, if you try to carry, you know, by piggyback carrying someone, then you're going to get stronger. You're going to be, uh, get better at, at combating, you know, working against gravity because you're going to be jumping. You know, if you're crawling, then you're going to be working all four limbs, you know, cross pattern movement, which is significant for the brain. You know, there's lots of brain engagement with crawling kind of quad- quadrupedal movement patterns, contralateral movement patterns. So there's so many benefits that come about by moving uh, more like the animals we are. So that's what I'm trying to, I suppose, on the one hand, trying to push, but it also means there's something reminiscent and nostalgic of what we did as kids, where we would pretend to be these animals, right? We pretend yeah. to be a bunny rabbit. You know, we pretend to be, you know, you're a lion, I'm a gazelle, chase me. Yes. You know, uh, you know, you know, I'm a gorilla, I'm I'm gonna climb the tree, you know, you know, you you would you would do this as a kid, and no one would tell you that's what you had to do. You know, as soon as you saw what these animals could do, you're like, Oh, I wanna be, I wanna be an animal. <laughs> I want to be that animal. I want to see what it's like to move, move in the way that they do. Um, so, yeah, there were so many benefits in, in moving like animals. And so it tapped into something that we recall, that we remember from when we were kids, which means more of us would have fun moving that way. Not yeah. just because moving like animals is fun, but because it, it, it taps us in to our biology. It taps us in to what we experienced as kids, where we went, we're doing this because it's fun, not because I'm trying to achieve any goals of, you know, the more animal, you know, the more cheetah-like I can be, the better it is. Is going to it's going to be for me as a as a human being. You know, that's not what that's not the decisions you make, right? As a kid, you go, is this going to be fun? <laughs> yeah. And if it is, how can I make it as much fun as possible? Yes, absolutely. Right? 
yeah. what was profound <laughs> and can I get to other me people to share this experience with me yeah you know um and then as soon as you go it's not fun anymore you do, you do something else mm-hmm. yeah and so what, what was profound so, um, for me though when i tried some of the workouts and animal moves not only were they fun but they were also quite challenging and so even though I mm. thought I was fit in one sense, it is increasingly apparent that I have some weaknesses which your workouts have highlighted. Do, do you find that's often the case with people who maybe think they're fit to begin with and then try your workouts? Totally. I mean, that's probably the number one. Yeah, the, the, the two, the two, the lots of feedback that I get. One would be, oh, I'm having so much fun. You know, that that would be one category. The second would be, I underestimated what these movements were going to be like. You know, they're regular, yes. usually regular gym goers, usually people who are very, very fit in one way or the other. And I kind of go, I can't believe that this was so difficult, you know. Um, <laughs> and and I'm like, well, yes, because your your strength usually is in one or two dimensions. Like, you know, like, okay, I go to the gym and I lift heavy. I lift heavy weights, Right. So you lift them in a particular way, you hold the bar in a particular way, or you use machinery in a certain way. Yes. So there's so much of you which isn't being engaged uh, that is also part of being strong. So as soon as you shift to another way of utilizing your musculature to perform a movement, you then realize, actually, I'm, why, do, why do I feel so weak at doing this? I'm, it's only my own body weight. Why am I, you know, I can lift easy twice my body weight, but I'm trying to do this kind of press motion, this bare press, and, I, and I'm really struggling, you know. So, yes, there's so, again, we're, you know, exercise is, I, I have to mention this, exercise is a substitute for the lack of physical activity that we used to get. So in the 21st century, in, mod, in the modern era, the, people realize we're not moving enough. Yes. There's, there's something detrimental happening to us. Yeah. What can we do? People have I've heard the idea. adage, Sit is it, uh, sitting is the new smoking. That's been yes. kicked about now. Yeah. It is, it is. And <laughs> you know what's really bizarre is you don't have to go back. Um, you know, we, we, again, humans tend to love feelings if they're the first to, like, you know, oh, yes, 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 we've just discovered this. We're just realizing how important physical activity is. But, you know, the, the, the start of the advent of Western medicine, Hippocrates mentioned the importance of physical activity. He prescribed to his patients, physical activity was prescribed to his patients, right? So there's been a recognition for thousands of years how important physical activity is. Yes. But we just don't get the message. Every generation moves less than a generation before. And then somebody will tell you, hey, guys, the latest evidence t- is telling us it's important, but that's not enough to get people galvanized. Um, we've never had more classes, more information, books, podcasts, you name it, right? We've never had more information on the benefits of physical activity than ever in human history. At the same time, we've never been as sedentary as we've ever been in human history. Absolutely. So there's, there's something that isn't working with our first for knowledge in relation to this. And we need to kind of go, we don't need to know anymore, right? We need to implement what is useful for, for the human for humans to engage in. Um, so yeah, I, I think there is, I do think there's an underlying problem 
of you know satisfying the kind of intellectual satisfaction comes first and we're satisfied that, that, that that's enough and it and it leads to things like almost like if you watch i remember watching the 2012 olympics uh on tv and also i was i was fortunate enough to see some of the events and you can you almost empathize with the <laughs> with the with people participating and i remember watching usain bolt for example and thinking about the sort of training he was doing and you know I remember kind of envisaging me being like the fastest, you know, I want to sprint, you know, I want to be, oh my goodness, you know, mm. but I'm just sitting there. I'm not doing, I'm not actually doing anything at all. Um, and so spectating is more popular than you know, billions of people around the world watch the Olympics, you know, several thousand people taking part in an event. And many of us decided after this Olympics, I'm going to take up rowing or cycling or, you know, or whatever it was, but it doesn't last long, you know, because it doesn't satisfy our real kind of thirst for movement. It's 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 a poor you know, it's a poor substitute, and so we need to get back to basics. We need to create scenario environments which make us go, oh, this is easier for us to do. It's it's fun, it's engaging. So for for people who are maybe sitting at a desk all day, whether it be at school or in an office, at work somewhere, um, how can they incorporate movement into their daily lives to help reverse this kind of negative effect of sitting all day? Well, I, I suppose they have to just sit less, right? <laughs> um, and create, almost create diversions. Right. So a diversion might be every time I pick up my phone, I'm, I'm going to do it involving some movement. So that might be, you know, if you can't have a standing desk, for example, mm -hmm. it might be every time my phone rings, every time my, my notification goes, I'm going to stand up and have a look at it. Right. Um, every time somebody asks me, you know, sends me an email and they're only like a few meters away, I'll get up out of my chair and I'll go and actually have a chat with them. You know, I'll take the stairs rather than taking the lift one or two floors at work, you know, so, it's it's about avoiding convenience. That'll be the that'll be the first thing that I would suggest. Yes. Anytime you realize that this feels great, you know, like oh wow, sitting here feels great. You know, oh being in this lift, it's so easy. This is just feels. I don't have to do any work. You know, physical work. <laughs> That's when you need to say, hold on a second. I need I need to take the stairs because what I want to be saying to myself is, whoo, those stairs were hard work, weren't they? Tick. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh my goodness, I've been standing for 20 minutes. Whew, I'm feeling that tick. You know, um, I'm going to get off the bus a few stops early and go for a brisk walk. Whew, there's a few beads of sweat. Oh, I'm getting out of breath. That's what you want to feel more often. Right. And it doesn't have to be 30 minutes structured exercise. You know, just get more of those movement breaks yes. throughout the day. I remember someone saying in between adverts on the TV, they just got up and did squats and press ups and interchange the yeah, two now, th yeah, there are I numerous mean, exercises you can do idea. but yes i mean any you know i, I, I don't want to be the person that says doing something is better than nothing right right because i don't wanna, i don't want people to feel good about doing 10 seconds 20 seconds or like five minutes oh, i did my five minutes a day at least i'm not completely sedentary because we need to be doing more than that mm -hmm. but you know you again you want to be seeking out opportunities for movement so for example if i do squats and sit and you know press-ups and sit-ups during the commercial break 
There will come a point in time for most people and they'll go, I'm not looking forward to the commercial break <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, because that means I'm going to have to do those squats and press-ups and sit-ups. I mean, it's, it, it's exact. It's almost, again, another form of, of like torture for some people. Like I'm only doing, I'm not doing this because this is fun. I'm doing this because I have a break in that program where I was going to be sitting for an hour, right? But I've got like a couple of minutes every 20 minutes or so where I can do some movement. But it's not going to be, it's never going to be a regular thing. People will do it for the short term. I don't know anyone who decides that's what they're going to do, who continues to do it indefinitely. And that's the problem. They're all very good short term solutions. They're not ones that become part of you that you continually do, you know, because you'll come home from work one day and you'll go, I'm really shattered. And I would love to do some movement in a commercial break, but instead I'm just going to fast forward. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? I'm just going to skip the commercial break instead. That's what, that's what people will do. Right. I want to, I just want to see the rest of the show. So, so I would suggest, for example, with the remote control, I would do things like this. I'm watching a show. I want to watch it. I actually want to sit in my sofa and watch it, right? I want to be sedentary for yes. the next hour when I'm watching this. But I'll do things like, oh, the remote control to the other side of the room. I'll bear crawl to get the control. I'll squat for a bit whilst I'm watching the show. You know, yes. I can't squat forever. So it means I have to shift around. I have to move, you know. So I'm, con you know, the movement becomes something that within that hour, I'm kind of constantly moving even though it's quite small and, and subtle movements, but there's constant movement and I'm not feeling comfortable just sitting there for the hour. And I'm not, I'm not kind of reserving myself for that big three minutes of, Oh yeah. You know, jumping jacks are three minutes. Wow. I can't wait. Right. <laughs> Instead I'm going anytime I feel like moving around, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bear crawl. You know, um, every time I go from the living room to the kitchen, I'll think of another way of getting into that room. You know, so it then becomes more playful and more creative rather than something that's daunting. And then if I change it, if I don't feel like doing that, I can do something else rather than thinking I have to stick to a structure. So, yeah, so I, I think that, you know, these tips are all are all well and good. But the, the overall tip should be avoid convenience. Number yes. one. Second, um, find opportunities to move more in a, in a given situation. So if I'm walking up the stairs, maybe take two, you know, two steps at a time, you know, maybe one day think about running up the stairs, maybe think about taking each step as lightly as you can, like you're running on hot coals, mm -hmm. right? Being as silent as you can, um, you know, being ninja-like as you take the stairs. I mean, and, and some of this is, is going to be uncomfortable. Like some of this, you're not going to want anyone to see, right? <laughs> you don't want anyone to see you, you kind of ni running like a ninja up the stairs. Well, my bear crawl right? isn't but, quite perfected yet either, so. But, but again, you know, perfection, you know, think about children when they move. I mean, clumsy, you know, like all fingers and thumbs. I mean, they're, they're not, they don't tend to be the, the most graceful of, of, of movers, right? So, but they're not, they're not embarrassed by that. They're just like, again, we're having fun. And so, so I think that's what we need to focus on. Not how great my bear crawl looks or how perfect <laughs> it is. Yes. But just the fact that I'm actually doing it, you know, and, and, and it's uncomfortable and it's like, why is my coordination off? 
doesn't matter because your, your coordination is going to improve and you're challenging your brain. When your coordination is off, your brain's going, what the heck is happening? You know, you're creating new brain cells. Your hippocampus is, is increasing in size. Your ability to make decisions and improve your memory improves your, you know, uh, you're preventing cognitive decline and, and dementia, the risk of dementia when that occurs. So it's so, again, something very simple, like a bear crawl, that's a little bit like, mm, which, which hand, what, what's, what's happening? Yes. <laughs> is, is, is probably the most beneficial part of that. Once you get good at it, it has less of a, a less potent impact. You know, it then becomes maintenance. It then becomes conditioning. But the learning, learning new movement is the most powerful part of the, of the process, which is why when children from babies are learning to move, that's when they have the most acceleration in develop, of, in, of kind of, in, of intelligence, or, uh, of brain growth, is when they're learning all of these different movement patterns as kids, you know, learning to roll over, learning to support their head, learning to, you know, to stand and to balance and to, you know, crawl and to walk. You know, all of that coincides with significant uh, new, neurogenesis, you know, new neurons and new synapses being connected so um yeah and yeah i mean just tell me to shut up but <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely not i was gonna say you've got a yeah. huge variety of movements in your book for anyone to try but some of the listeners at home may be like can people at any age do this or is there certain things which you wouldn't advocate for everyone i would say do it all you know that <laughs> we, we you know we do you know what like it's can you imagine saying to someone um, oh, I want to learn to play the violin. Do you think it's okay to do that at 80 years old? Not many people would say, no, you know what? You're past it. Mm -hmm. You know, at 80, it's just, oh, the learning process is a little bit more, it's a little bit more difficult to learn something the older you get, so you shouldn't do it. No, we would celebrate it, right? So, of course, there are going to be things which are more difficult as we're older. You know, we may have injuries. We may have, you know, disabilities. We may have you know, issues in relation to mobility, which means some things are going to be very, very difficult to do. But as human beings, just find what you can do. Focus on what you can rather than what you can't. Recognize that some of this process is going to be difficult and uncomfortable and embrace that because that discomfort is where we become stronger. That adversity, that physical adversity leads to, you know, that physical stress leads to our bodies adapting to become stronger. So there is nothing in the animal moves book that I would say you should not attempt this, Yes. you know, scale it to your, to your ability, but making sure that you're out of your comfort zone so that you actually have some personal growth and development. So to give you a, a practical example of this, I've had, I've had people of four years old to 94 years old, taking part in doing animal moves in, in group sessions. That's fantastic. Um, and, you know, of course, at the outset, people are like, I'm just going to let you know now, Daryl, I'm not doing this, that, this, that, the other. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. My knees, my back, my this, that, the other. And I'm like, well, I'm going to create a, an environment where you're going to feel as if you can do anything that I ask you to do. And we'll work through this together and we'll create equalization and we'll create something that's inclusive and and so whatever your age whatever your ability whatever your skills are 
again, if we go, if we revert back to that childlike, not childish, not petulant and, you know, but the childlike approach to movement, you're playing a game with your friends. A new person comes to the neighborhood and you want, you know, you like them. You want them to take part. Do you say to them, oh, you know what? The rules are so complicated. We've been playing this game for years. There's just no point inviting you to play. No, what you do is you go, we'll tell you the first couple of rules that you need to know just so you can get involved. And then over time, we'll give you something a little bit more complicated. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. the most important thing is that you're involved, that you're including people. And that's how I approach working with, with people of different abilities. It's like, yeah, you know what? Let's adapt this so that you feel as if you're part of this. You're not thinking it's okay for you, Daryl, because, you know, you're a lot younger than I am. And, you know, it's not fair. You know, actually, let's make sure that you can participate. Yes, and you so, ha so... actually have a really inspiring video. I, th I believe it was on your website where I saw it, where it was a person with MS, and you had them yeah. being able, for the first time in years, they haven't been able to exercise. And with the help of, or support from you, they managed to jump several times. It was absolutely yeah, inspiring. Yeah, that was, that was a beautiful moment. Like, you know, she was in a wheelchair, and she was watching one of my classes. And she said to me, and I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know about her condition. And she just said, she said something like, I, I wish I could take part in your class. And I didn't ask her what, I didn't ask her uh, what was, what was wrong with her, what, what the, her issues were. I said, why don't you join in? And she said, well, look, you know, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't, I can't join in. I mean, I mean, of course you can. And so what we, what, what happened was I said, she said, well, I can't even get out of my wheelchair. And I went, okay, well, I know I can lift you out. And if I can't, then a couple of us can, or three of us can. So we lifted her out, you know, got her to stand. And, you know, we were jumping as part of that activity. And she was like, well, I can't jump. It's not possible. I was like, well, we'll create a way that you, that you can jump. And in the video that you saw, where you see that I'm, I'm kind of supporting her. Yes. If you listen really carefully, she says to me, whilst I'm kind of supporting her, she goes, let me do this by myself. She kind of goes, you know, don't, don't give me so much help. And so she just completely transformed. And, and I'm literally just there as a, almost like a safety net rather yes. than actually performing for her. So she went from, I can't get out of my, I can't participate. I can't get out of my wheelchair. I, I could never jump. I'm just watching you guys jumping, thinking, oh, I wish I could do that. And, and she wasn't always, you know, because she had an S, uh, she formerly she was formerly very active and 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 of course wasn't always in a, in a in a wheelchair so she was remembering what she what she was able to do in the past and just thinking that's just it but actually no the reality was let's create an environment where you can still do some of this stuff where you're focusing on what you can do rather than you can't than what you can't so um so yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited and, and passionate about primal play and getting people to to realize, you know, all super humans have a vulnerability, right? Have a have their own kryptonite. And so rather than, you know, again, rather than thinking about what we can't do, you know, Superman doesn't go spend all his time going, oh my goodness, kryptonite, it'll be the death of me. You don't mean I'm not going to venture out because somebody might have kryptonite and oh my goodness. No, he goes, I'll do whatever I can 
to save the world and and if i encounter kryptonite i'll deal with it yes and so that's what we should do as humans my knees are shot you know that i've got osteoarthritis it's it's really painful but you know what some days i can actually i can walk quite a bit without it being too uncomfortable and i feel really good about it and so on those days i'll walk a bit more you know you know so it's a different approach it's 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 a Again, focusing on what you can do rather than what you can't. So we've yeah. kind of taken gone off a tangent here, but uh, but all of these, you know, all of these metaphors are are very, again, very childlike. You know, superheroes were a big part of my childhood, and so I'm like, how can I use that to to educate us as adults? Because we all we all have that that narrative, right? We all remember having heroes who were superheroes when we were young, and we all mimic them. And we all focused on, on what, what they were great at doing. <laughs> um, and we didn't really appreciate their flaws. And that's what made them, you know, who they were, right? It was the flaws that made superhumans what they, you know, superheroes what they were. Yes. And I think just acknowledging that and overcoming them are hugely important. I'm a, and I'm a massive advocate and supporter of what you're doing. But for the sake of time... I'm probably yes. going to move on to the last three topics that I ask everyone who comes on the show. Um, the, the first one is, how do you see medicine evolving as new re- research emerges in this area, in this case, about movement? Um, I, I think one day we'll, see, we'll start seeing, I think we're going to go full circle. So as I mentioned earlier, Hippocrates used to write prescriptions, including exercise and movement as part of that uh you know treatment and and i'm i'm sure that will happen i would love that to happen again in future where you know some doctors will say you don't need to you don't need medica- medication for this you just need some movement that's what you need or you need some medication because for whatever reason but you also need to ensure that movement is part of that so you may need even less medication Yes. You know, and, and, and I'm not saying movement, again, I'm not saying movement should only be looked at in isolation. Uh, you know, food is important, sleep is important, all those, give, you know, getting sunshine, being outdoors, it's all important. But I think in particularly looking at move, movement, there's going to be a pre- great appreciation of its role in prevention, but also therapy uh, for chronic lifestyle disease. And do you think movement and exercise should be more integrated into a healthcare as it is now in the UK? For sure. I mean, I, I think it's, to be honest, I think it should be integrated in, you know, it should be public public policy. Yes. So so if movement is only seen as, in, in terms of prevention, you know, that's not going to work. I mean, again, we know, you know, look at the history of, say, smoking, how many decades and decades of information telling us how bad it was, how you know bad it harmful it is for our health, but the biggest reduction in smoking rates in the UK, for example, was when it was banned in public, many public spaces, right? Yeah. That was the big, most significant change in our smoking habits was when in '97, I think, was it '97 or 2007? I can't remember now. It was 2007 when smoking was banned in public spaces, right? Um, you know, same like seatbelts in cars. You know, we had all of that education saying, you know, seatbelts, you know, can, can if you're not you wearing them, more more deaths, blah, 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 blah. But then it was only when it was like, now it's mandatory that people change their behavior. So I, I feel that waiting for 
doctors to tell us, you know what, you've got this issue, try some exercise, is probably too late. Yeah. You know, we need to make it a societal shift where movement becomes more the norm, um, where we create an environment. I mean, I'm not saying that we should be banning banning sedentary lifestyles, <laughs> but, but, you know, um, we should probably should make it easier for people to have standing desks. We probably should be having, you know, enforced, you know, people who smoke, they're allowed to take smoke breaks, right? They're allowed to go outside mm-hmm. their building and have a smoke, you know, for five minutes every hour or whatever it is. You know, maybe they should. We should have the option for people to have movement breaks, and, yes. and and you know, down tools for for a couple of minutes for all workers. You know, maybe that should be the way that we we almost enforce it to happen, and that kind of encourage and shift behavior um, because of that. And it's kind of nanny state, very nanny stateish. But um, we need to do something fairly fairly radical and just trying to encourage people or uh, tout the benefits may not be enough. Yes, I That's think you've I'm got thinking. some great ideas there. And and lastly, th- third and lastly, can you provide the listeners with three tips to help improve their health and well-being? Uh, yeah, sit less, uh, avoid convenience, and treat the world as your playground. Treat the world as your gym. That third one I'm definitely going to take away with me now. Great. Just for the listeners, everything that we spoke about today will be put in the show notes, including a link to Daryl's book, Animal Moves, his previous book, uh, Primal Play Academy, and I believe you've got Animal... What what the cards that you've brought out, Daryl? Oh, yes, the Animal Moves deck. So, so yes, I have... uh, So, Animal Moves is currently a... So, well, the best place to find out about my work is at primalplay.com, where I blog the whole philosophy of, of play and movement and, and all there's lots of research there and, and animal moves is kind of a, a subset of that of that kind of big picture and for animal moves i have an online video course a 30-day program i have the book called, called animal moves and i also have something called the animal moves deck which is a way of creating kind of randomized workouts or playouts as i prefer to call them <laughs> so you know no equipment just a deck of cards and uh, you've got a few minutes spare, you shuffle all the cards, here you go, and a new workout will play out for me to do. So it's, uh, it's an even more fun way of kind of getting engaged with, with animal moves than uh, um, I'm really, really excited about it. It's just been launched and it's, it's been used all over the world already. So, so uh, I'm really excited about that. Fantastic. Daryl, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I really do hope that we can connect again soon. For sure. Thanks so much, Ben. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. You can find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. If you have a second, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does make a huge difference and helps get this valuable information out and reach more people. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date and know whenever I release a new episode. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook or our website and all questions are welcome. As always, thanks to Joss Aurelia for the editing and Alan Harper for his support.